Another edition of Communication Mixdown. Hello, I'm John Langer. How do you make sense of the unprecedented bushfires in Australia raging across the landscape during the summer just past? How do you give them meaning? More broadly, how do you make sense of these catastrophic fires in the context of the climate emergency we're all facing? And once you do attach meaning to these profound and possibly history-changing events... How do you respond and act, and how do your responses and actions alter the national conversation around climate change? David Holmes is the director of the Climate Change Communication Research Hub based at Monash University, and he and his team of researchers have, right from the earliest days, been investigating and writing on these very kinds of questions. He's our special guest on Communication Mixdown this week. Hello, David. Hello, John. People trying to make sense and give meaning to the summer's catastrophic bushfires. That's where I'd like to start our conversation. And uh, one of the places we do this, of course, is by way of the media. Now, the Hub has just released a research report entitled Black Summer, Australia, Australian Newspaper Reporting of the Nation's Worst Bushfire Season. Tell us about the report and, first of all, how was it done and then what we look trying to look for? Sure. So what we did in this report is we looked at content as well as the narratives that we found in Australian newspapers. So we basically collected all of the newspaper reporting that mentioned uh, the, the bushfires as well as uh, we, we and then later on we also isolated which ones mentioned climate change and global warming. So, so what we did was look at the period from the first of September to the end of January. So, so the, the last day of January, which is when the fires were really flaring the most, and we collected. Uh, we found there are about 69,500 articles on the fires wow. right across Australia. Um, and we analysed, uh, so with that you know, huge number, we could only look at 1% because we were manually coding and which we selected sort of randomly across that period, which still ends up with 700 articles, which is the, one of the largest samples ever done of newspaper analysis in Australia. Uh, and uh, then we also looked at how many of those articles linked to climate change. And what we found was that compared to Black Saturday, that we've also done a report on at the same time, uh, the reporting on climate change uh, went up to 49% of articles compared to 5% during uh, Black Saturday. So... Um, so really that's, you know, nearly a tenfold increase mm. in how many articles are, you know, linking the fires to climate change. Just to give us a little bit of a, a, a context, which newspapers did you sample? All the newspapers across Australia or is it very specific ones? 
Uh, every single newspaper. So whether you're talking about, um, you know, the, the Fairfax Press, the News Corp Press, uh, regional newspapers, Seven West Media, uh, all of the different newspaper groups, and uh, we we covered them all, basically. So from your broadsheets to your tabloids to your local, you know, more uh, town-focused newspapers uh, and regional newspapers. So that's why, you know, if you count all of those papers, you get such a large amount of hits yes. as far as um, of, uh, what the coverage is. Now, just to continue on with our discussion of this report, for you, what were some of the most outstanding or perhaps unexpected findings? Uh, I guess um, some of the most outstanding uh, were that uh, like 16% of, of all of the articles directly linked climate change to the fire. So this wasn't just they were mentioning climate change in some context or it could, you know, there could be some link or there's a denial of climate change. There, there was a direct link. Um, and then also 12% of all coverage had calls for climate action. And of that 12%, 52% were quite critical of the coalition government mm. uh, on how they handled the, the bushfire season, but also um, on, well, not just that, but how they handled their policies on climate change as well. So, um, so that, that, you know, those things really did stand out. Could I uh, just make a comment on this? You said that there's um, 29% of the coverage discuss climate change i look up this is me just making a personal comment i would have expected a lot more discussion of climate change in that in this in the context of the fires were were you so, surprised that that it was as low as that or or well it it well it was 29% of all coverage discussed climate change with any depth and accuracy but 49% of all Black Summer articles were linking to climate change in some way. But but it was only 29% were doing it with sort of great depths, like it might, you know, the headline might be, you know, climate change is here or something oh. like that, and these fires sort of prove the case. But um, whereas other articles might be about the fires where it might um, just be about um, how fires affected a town, and then they, they interviewed a resident of the town who says, look you know, something needs to be done about climate change, which isn't really going into the depths mm. uh, of what what climate change is, is uh, means for the fires. But, but nevertheless, uh, it just shows it's a very good proxy for understanding that people are thinking a lot more about climate change 10 years on from Black Saturday. The other thing that when I was reading the report or reading some of the report, it, there was something that said that often the coverage related to climate was driven by key moments. For example, you mentioned the New South Wales Fire and Rescue Commissioner, Greg Mullins, spoke about climate change, and that was picked up by the coverage. Uh, yeah, so um, so uh, it was quite remarkable that um, uh, the firefighting services, uh, you know, spokespeople from both Current services and past services were were you know quite well um, quoted, and uh, I mean our other research just on trusted sources around climate change shows that firefighters are actually in the top four of most trusted sources, uh, next to farmers and climate scientists. So 
it's um you know that sort of all got thrown into the mix of mm. why uh you know firefighters had this trusted ability to really link link these fires to climate change and basically uh, in a sense appealing to someone helping you know getting help with their job because their job's being made that much harder you know they the scale of the fires the geographic extent of them was such that you could have these uh you know conf- conflagrations that that were so huge as to result in fire fronts of 700 degrees celsius and you know with those sorts of temperatures i mean holding up a hose really isn't going to you know isn't going to do much and it becomes a real identity question for firefighters i mean they're meant to fight fires but it's no longer a fair fight mm. interesting that you're talking about this because um the prime minister scott morrison um was was somewhere early in the piece or relatively early in the piece was talking about the firefighters actually wanting to be there and there was there was as i was reading it a fair bit of criticism of him for making those kinds of comments uh so yeah so you know firefighters um were um you know in in the case of how the government was handling uh, the whole situation that really did fall down to to the prime minister and and other senior ministers because remember you know government wasn't sitting but so it became quite crucial given that the government knows that you know firefighters are so respected by the community that um, that they the politicians get respect as well but 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 indeed um, you know you had scenes of uh, firefighters not wanting to shake the prime minister's hand and firefighters being very critical of what the government was doing during, uh, you know, particularly in December and, and um, uh, when really the government was caught off guard as to just how serious these fires had become. The other thing that the report talks about is the coverage of health impacts on climate change, and you make a, a particular point about that. So yeah, so twelve percent of all of the, all of the articles um, were uh, sorry, sorry, so actually eleven percent were dealing with health, uh, and twelve percent uh, biodiversity. So these were new narratives that you didn't see in Black Saturday at all. Uh, people linking it to health, and I think uh, what really brought that narrative to the fore was the fact that for the first time you were finding one of the collateral impacts of the fires, which is the smoke, was coming to highly populated centres, so particularly Melbourne, Sydney and Canberra. And so, so whereas, you know, a, a, lot of, a lot of times climate impacts are felt in the bush a lot more and that people in the city, you know, we, we live in this sort of denatured, you know, denatured setting, if you like, where we don't have to figure out how to grow food and we don't have to figure out what it means for, uh, you know, the, the landscape to be so dry. Uh, so suddenly you had huge amounts of smoke uh, coming into the cities uh, and people were breathing in, even long after uh, some fires, you were breathing in old smoke. And mm. old smoke is much more dangerous than than more recent smoke because it's it's been... It's thinner, it's picking up, um, when I say thinner, it's kind of finer. It's picking up dangerous particles like diesel, 
uh, allergens and and really uh, very disruptive for people who want to go out. And we saw that with Day the Australian Open, uh, big big bash cricket in uh, in Canberra, and um, it was you know affecting elite athletes uh, mm, mm. on a big scale, which people were seeing on their screens when they also wanted to see the um, see the uh, these programs on on their television. And so, you know, it, it really was a game changer in terms of people thinking this isn't right. We shouldn't have uh, this much smoke in our cities. This is Australia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we get tourists from overseas who one of the reasons they like to come to Australia is it's such clean air, clean water, etc. And then you had places that were actually the most polluted places on Earth mm-hmm. during the fires. I want to turn now to something else in the report. You described uh, what you called uh, key narratives in climate change reporting. And I was just wanting to you to very briefly, what were you trying to get at when you were talking about these uh, key narratives? Sure. So, so when you're looking at extreme weather events, what we've found in our studies of not only these fires, but also we looked at the cyclone that hit South Australia in 2016 that knocked out all those transmission towers and 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 basically you know brought down brought about a, a state blackout is that what you find tends to push climate change off out of the story is a whole lot of other narratives that uh, journalists like to focus on and one of the biggest ones is called triumph uh, triumph of humanity so it's basically how, uh, it, you know, there's an element to people becoming heroic. Um, they, it might be firefighters were fighting really hard and showing how, you know, they can save targeted properties and so forth. But it could be about how neighbours were helping each other prepare and how people were going to shelters and find, you know, finding that they can can keep going in the face of this adversity. And that tended to be the dominant narrative both in Black Summer, Black Saturday, other extreme weather events, even Brisbane floods. And uh, the second most powerful narrative is uh, unstoppable power of nature, which is this idea that that nature is this awesome force and there's not much we can do about it if it decides to turn on us. Um, and this is what can happen in a flood, but obviously it can happen on with fires. So it tends to kind of um, offer an alternative explanation to the way that our actions can actually be causing the climate to become much hotter. And, and in fact, you know, what we're seeing is not nature, but, but, but um, you know, in some sense of it being, you know, nothing to do with humans and somehow there's just this really stark separation. Rather, the human beings have changed... Uh, changed our our climate system uh, through their own actions by putting up greenhouse gases in concentrations that haven't been seen uh, in uh, you know in, in so many uh, millennia and um, and that that in fact that's the cause so so uh, another one that's quite common is the failure of planning so the idea that you should be able to plan so that was about ten percent of articles and uh, so you know things like backburning, uh, fuel re- fuel load reduction, that 
you should be able to blame what happened on that. Mm. And so we saw that coming out particularly in uh, late January and, and February as a um, as an alternative explanation. So all of these things uh, tend to you know push climate change to the margins. But even with the strength of those narratives, uh, climate change still was getting referenced so much more, and particularly by people being quoted and being interviewed, actually, in the who were victims of the fires, they were very quick to blame climate change mm. rather than look at you know lack of planning or that the government should do more or something to to, to plan ahead. David, this is a good time to take a break. Let's let's just have a little bit of a promo and we'll get back and chat a bit more about the report. Okay. Get your copy of 3CR's magnificent book. It's a stunning history of the people, programs and issues at the station since 1976. On sale now for the amazing price of just $20. Pick one up at the station or jump online and place your order. Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR. On sale now for $20. You're with Communication Mixdown, and uh, I'm discussing the report from the climate change. Uh, David, tell us what the name of your uh, organization again. So it's the Monash Climate Change Communication Research Hub. Right, and the report is the Black Summer Australian newspaper reporting of the nation's worst bushfire season. Now, I want to uh, go on, and uh, the, these narratives are very interesting f- for me to 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 hear what you're saying about these things. In some ways, what you're saying is the narratives, in some respect, displace certain kinds of causal relations that we might end up making connections between the fires and climate change that, that, for example, as you were describing, that the, the nature becomes a force which is, is virtually uh, unstoppable, uh, whereas I think what you're saying is, in fact, the, the, the reason that nature has become the way it has is, is precisely because of human intervention. Yeah, so, you know, we, I mean, really, if you would start starting to do attribution studies, so how much is climate change a factor? I mean, we know that humans are changing the global climate at 170 times the background rate, so that's to do with uh, orbital planetary forcings. But So the human forcing is 170 times greater. So that means what usually takes 8,500 years to happen now happens in just 50 years. So... So we're seeing a much greater rate of change. And I guess no one really expected that at 1.1 degree above pre-industrial average temperatures that we would see such conditions with, you know, such dryness and such heat. So, So 2019 was both Australia's warmest year on record as well as the driest year on record. So those two things combined really to set up the conditions where you could have such extensive, like, you know, fires across geographic areas uh, where things were just so dry. And really, as far as fuel load, it's about how dry the fuel load is rather than how much fuel load Mm, there is. mm, mm. 
Why don't just uh, continue with the narratives, and what were some of the other narratives that, because you, you mentioned, uh, I think there was about nine, eight or nine, but what were some of the other outstanding ones that were used by the uh, by the recoverage? So, uh, so another one that stood out that was sort of spiked, um, it kind of spiked in early to mid-January was arson. So uh, arson is sort of something, you know, it's this sort of sense of criminality that it's just because of deviance and, you know, people not doing the right thing. And this was largely helped by kind of bots that were were um, crawling the, the social media sphere that were putting out misinformation i mean probably the most misinformation was around was around arson and uh even an article in the australian newspaper which um had to be corrected later which was saying that you know up to 200 acts of arson had been uh had been committed that were really behind the fires and these these were a real distraction of what was going on i mean an abc fact check found that one percent of cases of the fires igniting was due to arson, and most of it was to do with dry lightning. Mm. And um, you know, so 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 really, this this was also a narrative that tended to push uh, push climate change uh, out of the story. Mm. It's interesting. You've just mentioned the Australian newspaper, and my recollection in, is that during an. A- after the worst of the fires, there was a lot of discussion about the Murdoch-owned media in Australia and how they were running a very anti-climate science line over a long period of time. Your report, yeah. your report talks about denialism by ownership, and I was wondering if you could expand on what you meant by that. Yeah, so, uh, so what we found was that uh, when you looked at um, the coverage, if you like, the denialist or the, the misinformation um, uh, that you could find uh, in the, basically in the, the corpus of the newspaper reporting, uh, you found that um, uh, whilst, in fact, uh, climate change denialism was actually down as a percentage compared to Black Saturday, uh, that uh, most of the uh, there was a disproportionate uh, percentage of denialism within uh, news corporation uh, newspapers. So, uh, and these were tended to be concentrated in um, uh, your tabloids. So, so basically, uh, you know, Sydney Daily Telegraph, Courier Mail, Adelaide Advertiser, and Herald Sun, and uh, in the Australian. But other parts of uh, News Corp publishing to do with online and regional, you know, didn't carry nearly as much. Mm, mm. David, I think I, I, I've got lots of more questions that we could uh, delve into, but I, I, I've got to say that we're just about out of time. So uh, I just want sure. to just want to tell people again, that the, the name of the report is Black Summer, Australian newspaper reporting of the nation's worst bushfire season. It's published by Monash Climate Change Communication Research Hub, and I'm talking with, or I have been talking with the Hub's director, David Holmes, and uh, appreciate your time, David, and also I'd like to just say to keep up the good work because I think it's really very critical to be looking at the relationship between climate change and the media and all aspects of communication. Sure. Thanks for 
very much, John. And as I said, we're talking there with David Holmes, and uh, he's the director, once again, I'll let you know, the Monash Climate Change Communication Research Hub, and links to all the material that we were talking about tonight will be on the 3CR Communication Mixdown website, along with a podcast of this show. That's all from us this week. Communication Mixdown will be here again, of course, next Monday. Let's go out with a track dedicated to all those climate activists who, despite all the obstacles, still keep on campaigning to make the catastrophic events like the Black Summer never happen again. Here's Smiley Lewis. Thank you.